0: Thank you. Welcome to a new episode of the Soul Kitchen. My name is Jasper. I'm currently in Tallinn and I'm talking with Vlad and Julia, the managing director and the director of mental health projects of One Ukraine, an NGO that is supporting Ukraine uh, during the war. I think you guys are doing very important work, so I want to know more uh, about it. So, um, yeah, can you tell a bit about your, yourself?
1: Hi Jasper, it's a pleasure to be here and yeah sure Uh, we'd love to share our stories and the story how we started the NGO actually goes back to the time when we met with Vlad in Egypt. Uh, We spent with him some time in Dahab where we were exploring pre-diving. We were basically training together and uh, just living nomadic life, you know, running our own projects, a lot was working in IT, and I was legal and operations consultant working remotely. And then on a day when the war started, everything changed. Because we, from the first day of war, we, we realized that we cannot just keep focused on our previous life and uh, on our projects and clients. So we shifted completely to supporting our country. And in the beginning, it was just it was a mess. We were volunteering. We were helping to drive people out of the country. We were evacuating kids. We were evacuating animals. Uh, we were delivering humanitarian aid. So basically, we we tried to do everything that was coming across. Uh, we even created several websites and boards that was helping people to cross the border. That was helping people with the information how they can register in uh, EU countries. You know, do all the paperwork. So basically, we were we were just starting from zero and we're just exploring and trying to help where the help was needed. Uh, at some point, we realized that in order to be efficient, we have to do fundraising. And that's probably where the story starts of how we met the founders of our organization, because we were reaching out to everyone in our network who we knew, uh, telling, you know, that we are currently very much involved in supporting Ukraine and trying to do fundraising specifically for the delivery of food for elder people uh, who were back then uh, locked in their apartments in Kiev because it was just the beginning of war and, you know, Uh, the city wasn't occupied but it was really tough and also delivery of medicines because hospitals in kiev were full with injured soldiers and there was shortage of medication and we really wanted to help and that's how we got started to get connected to people in germany uh, who also had some sort of personal connection with ukraine some of them were running businesses in Ukraine. Some of them had some relatives or, you know, ancestors coming from Ukraine, and yeah, that's how we got connected to the tech entrepreneurs who are now founders of our organization, and with whom we have created an entity that is currently uh, registered in uh, in Germany, and we are. We are basically we moved to Berlin because of this, and now both me and Vlad are based in Berlin, um, and we plan to stay here long term because uh, our organization has grown. And um, yeah, I mean, we'll tell you in a minute how we expanded our operations. Vlad, do you want to add? Yeah,
2: sure. Hi, Jasper. Thanks Hello. for inviting us uh, for uh, to, to 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 the Cell Kitchen. Um, what can I add to what Julia just shared? That. First of all, I'm Vlad. Um, I'm from Ukraine originally, as well as Yulia. I'm from Odessa and Yulia from Luhansk, from the eastern Ukraine. Um, Yeah, for some years, I have not been living in Ukraine. Um, I had a remote job. And for the last five years, I was working in IT, managing a project in IT. Um, And uh, basically living my life, uh, choosing places where to live. Um, so yeah, as you just said, we were in Egypt when, uh, the war started, that's where everything changed also for our lives as well as, uh, of, as well as the lives of millions of Ukrainians in Ukraine. Um, and we fully switched to, to this activity and uh, our life has changed, uh, and became ups and upside down and, uh, it led to where we are um and right now yeah we're full-time focused on helping ukraine in various ways um since day one and um um yeah that's where we are that's a short intro
0: thank you for sharing and what is one ukraine about can you share more about the the ngo the purpose the founding story
1: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, As I mentioned, you know, we we started from what I call an emergency response because it it was really a refugee crisis back then. A lot of people were trying to flee from the country as the war was getting unveiled in east and south of Ukraine. So our first focus was to drive refugees out of the country to safety, for sure, we only evacuated women and kids and supported them with integration in Germany and Austria. There, where we were able to build connection with municipalities and partner organizations. Then, another part of emergency response was um, delivery of humanitarian aid, and here we we got uh, connected to the Ministry of Health and we cooperated with them to procure and supply medicine. Um, we also try to look into how we can optimize humanitarian aid in terms of uh, promotion of local suppliers, because, you know, Ukraine, it's, it's different from, it's different from, I would say, uh, you know, you cannot compare emergency response in Yemen and Ukraine because Ukraine is quite self so sustainable in terms of food supplies and life manufacturing. So it doesn't make much sense to drive uh, humanitarian aid from the EU countries to Ukraine, but more than like procured inside the country. You, you dream of the the cost because Ukrainian products are cheaper and you trim off the cost on the logistics. So we, we are trying to do this kind of optimization and reach out to big funds to encourage them to support local producers because by this way, you you kind of close in two goals. You deliver humanitarian aid and you also support the local economy. Um, another stream that we, we are currently focused on uh, is construction, which is already a new step in the development of our NGO because it's more like long-term project. Um, unfortunately, the biggest part of infrastructure, especially in the East, was destroyed and people had to flee from their houses. For, so there is a huge demand for housing uh, in Western Ukraine. And that's one of our top priorities. We work with a German company that specializes in uh, timber fiber construction of pre- unse- pre-assembled housing and yeah another project that uh, we will probably tell you more about because we feel that you know it is it is quite sustainable and also long-term is mental house uh, once once we started to be you know i, I cannot say more institutional but better agonized we realize that we have great resources we have great team and we have great potential to actually make an impact because just driving refugees and buying aid is not complicated right but if you want to really help and help in sustainable way you need Mm -hmm. something that has bigger impact and i would say that mental health project is exactly the project of a big impact our idea is that Ukraine is a country that is not used to mental health services in a wide term. So they are not popular. There is not good infrastructure for mental health services provision. They are not accessible. And overall, people, they they don't even... know have this idea that they need to talk to therapists when it's hard normally when it's hard ukrainian people just you know talk to each other they talk to friends but they don't consider it to be a part of medical services it's quite important right now because uh uh the war has affected people for sure and the trauma is just getting bigger every day uh that's why we believe that and one of the main steps in reconstruction and supporting the country during the war and after war is supporting the people, uh, and this is one of our main goals of the mental health project.
0: Yeah. And before we Before we dive into the mental health projects, can you elaborate on the kind of the work streams that you have with uh, one Ukraine? I mean, you, uh, already, you already mentioned a few, but maybe you can give an overview.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, as we talked, we 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 still uh, advocate people. Among this stream, we have, I would say, a substream where we try to support uh, kids who require treatment, and you know, it's it's again, it's one of the causes. This was also caused by war. Mm. Because hospitals are more oriented towards supporting the military and injured soldiers. There is, uh, first of all, all the scheduled surgeries are postponed and it is shortage of medication. That's the reason why people who are underpassing treatment from chronic and heart diseases like cancer and rare diseases, they do not receive proper treatment right now in Ukraine and we need to support them. Uh, basically to drive them out to Ukraine and find proper treatment somewhere in the EU. And it's, it's, it's quite hard, especially with people who have, uh, rare diseases because there is not much specialist and you need to find specific hubs that can connect you to places where they can get proper treatment. So this is one of the projects that we're doing a part of refugee evacuation. Um, ready touch based about humanitarian aid and, um, and construction, but maybe just focusing a bit more on construction, I would say that uh, we also feel that it is very important not just uh, not just to build new houses in Ukraine, but to do it in a smart way. Uh, first of all, we we don't want to rebuild Ukraine. You know, we don't. We we, we want to get rid of Soviet infrastructure. We want to get rid of your heritage. We want to see new Ukraine that is part of European Union. We want to see a new country with a new standard of living. That's that's reason why in, why we are talking about construction. We are talking about creating new standards of new buildings. And our project is to create a sustainable, smart a sustainable and smart building made of timber uh, that will be uh, friendly for vulnerable people. Unfortunately, this is one of the causes of war that you know people are people get injured. sometimes they lose extremities and sometimes they have to use a wheelchair. and currently we have increasing such people in Ukraine and Ukrainian infrastructure is not uh, is not, let's say wheelchair friendly so we want to increase uh increase housing that allows vulnerable people to feel comfortable that allows them to still feel that they are part of the society that they are properly integrated and that they can live comfortably so this is our focus in construction to make sure that you know the housing that we build they will be comfortable for vulnerable people and,
2: and i'd like to wrap it up also the the work streams to in terms of what we have done and completed. Mm-hmm. So in terms of evacuation, uh, we have evacuated more than 6,000 people with the further accommodation in mainly in Austria. There were some people sent to uh, Germany, but mainly uh, Austria due to our connections there and uh, due to our uh, connections of our CEO, Martin Reiter, who is is an Austrian guy. And uh, he used to be a vice uh, president of Airbnb. Uh, so he has quite strong governmental relations there and we, we're partnering there in with the local initiatives that are helping out in terms of uh, humanitarian aid supply we uh, have delivered um, in total worth of five million euro worth of uh, aid mm-hmm. it is mainly medication um, because we were working closely with the minister of health of ukraine uh, and we were, and they were sending us requests: what is needed where in the hospitals all over Ukraine, and we're picking some items that we could source and bring, and we were delivering this together with the uh, food uh, for people, especially in the beginning, uh, for people hiding in the basements, uh, in the bomb shelters, and uh, thanks to the superheroes, uh, volunteers that we. Uh, We've got uh since since the beginning of the war we were delivering it to them, and they were delivering men women girls uh, teenagers different people, just superheroes they were delivering um, this aid to the buildings to people uh, and then it became and it, then it grew to some local initiatives uh, like um, humanitarian aid centers to where we were sending the stuff and people were um Uh, getting it from there Um, but still the main focus for us was medication uh, for both people and hospitals Mm, so that's about humanitarian aid and And,
1: you know I'll probably also jump in and people just reach us out and sometimes some people want to help with their projects with their initiatives and Sometimes we just jump in and help them to develop something that can be valuable for Ukraine. Just to give you an example, uh, we got approached by Austrian company software company that develops a fire alarm system for firefighters, volunteers, and they wanted to donate this system to Ukrainian organization that might be in need because, you know, because of the scale of war, uh, Ukrainian emergency service they constantly recruit volunteers because they do not have enough resources uh, to provide response after bombing and chilling. Uh, So we just put in touch the Ukrainian emergency service and the Austrian company that wanted to donate the system and actually it's just in the middle of negotiations but it seems that the system will work for Will work well for Ukrainian service, and we're just trying to put this together, facilitating the negotiation part, uh, legal part, and helping with the translation and actually assessment of a compatibility of a system. I mean, that's something that we didn't plan to do, but you know, people reach out and we see where we can add a value, and we're just doing this.
0: Yeah, so if I understand it correctly, I hear uh, I heard four work streams, right? One, evacuation, two, supply and humanitarian aid three mental health four construction correct then on top of that you're also a bit like a consultant or advisor for people that come to you with certain projects
1: i mean if such projects can support ukraine for sure yeah
0: Yeah. then you you think along that's great and can you tell a little bit more Uh, about the founder so are they ukrainian are they from germany are they from where where, where where do they come from and and why did they start this yeah, sure. So, oh, and, and also how do they contribute?
2: Yeah. So, uh, almost all of our founders are European, uh, mainly high tech entrepreneurs. Um, uh, we have uh, Johannes Reck, who is the CEO and founder of uh, Get Your Guide, and Marcus Furman, um, uh, who used to be a founder of Delivery Hero, and now he's a founder of Gropius uh, Company, Dropus um and uh, Klaus Hammels and Martin Reiter all these beautiful people um uh, Germans and Austrians um, um so basically uh, yeah uh, on top of them uh, we have also one Ukrainian founder Victoria Tygipka uh she um she uh is the only one Ukrainian and she's well known uh, person in Ukraine uh, she's an entrepreneur herself and Uh, Her husband used to be uh, uh, in politics, Um, uh, so um, all of these uh, founders they have some connection to Ukraine. So, for example, Johannes uh, Räck grandfather is from uh, Ukrainian, Western Ukrainian territory, or one of the founders' uh, spouse uh, uh, is Ukrainian, or so they have some direct connections um with ukraine that's why they jumped uh, into this into support of ukraine uh in various ways mm-hmm. and uh, all of them did something since day one and we were cooperating with uh, one of the founders uh, Mit gorilovsky who's based in uh, berlin and uh, together with him we uh, started to deliver uh, humanitarian aid separately and then he added marcus Furman connected us with him so we were doing that and then at some point all these founders they uh, joined their forces and organized uh, of one ukraine uh, and basically one ukraine is uh, operated since april but um, all of the founders contributed their um, something okay. since day one
0: that's great and it's great if you have 10 founders you can have uh, a big reach and impact and i saw on your website that uh, five million of money has been donated yeah is money coming from the founders or or are you doing crowdfunding or how where, where does that money come from
1: yeah as as vlad mentioned uh everyone started to be active from day one so everyone was helping in one way or another so basically all the funds that Got collected and uh, were donated by founders or either their friends and people from their network. Uh, from the first day of war, is calculated in this track record. And you know, someone was just someone was just buying humanitarian aid and sending it to Ukraine. Uh, I'd like to focus and circle it back to the question of the founders and tell you a small story about uh, Martina and Martin. Martina is also uh, one, of, uh, one of our founders, and um, Martina is coming from Croatia, and during her childhood, she experienced war herself. That's why when the war started in Ukraine, she got very personally touched by this. And from the first day, she decided to organize buses for Ukrainian uh, women and kids to evacuate them. Uh, she had quite a big uh, network on her social media, on Instagram, Facebook, which allowed her to make a big outreach to people who wanted to donate money and to spread information about evacuation. So she basically started from her Instagram page and she was collecting money to pay for the buses and agonizing everything in Lviv. They organized a shelter. They found people who can support the operations. They found a bus company that was helping with the vacation. And basically that's how it started. I mean, you can't even imagine, but uh, operating buses is also quite expensive. so uh, and since since the vacation started, we already evacuated, uh, I think more than six thousand six thousand more than six thousand. It's just like, you know, we we don't put operations on hold we have buses running every week so wow. the information on the website it gets outdated but we we try our best to keep it updated but yeah it's quite a lot of work
0: um, and and financially do you keep attracting funds or how does that work
1: uh, so the way we operate now, we uh, we operate on a budget that was donated by our founders of the organization. Uh, and currently we've taken an approach that we want to make our all of our streams self-sustainable and self-funded, which basically means we have a budget for uh, one year runaway uh, while we can uh, operate as a fund. But we, we, are looking for, we are looking for money to support each stream, uh, which basically means that, you know, we are making this outreach uh, to private investors, to uh, big NGOs, and we are applying for grants and, you know, just trying to attract all possible sources of funding because, because it's, it's quite needed in order to uh, keep our streams afloat.
0: I can see. So you have one more year to go, but you're now fundraising for uh, to continue your project. Correct. Right. That's beautiful work. And um, uh, do you want to tell a bit more about the mental health uh, project?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, for us, it started um, from both the emotional uh, and economic side. So. Mm-hmm. Um, when we started to think about the effect of war uh, on, on on people, and uh, we have found also a research conducted by our partners in Ukraine showing that up to sixty or even sixty five percent of population of Ukraine can be affected mentally, which is around twenty million uh, people. And then after a week or two after that, the uh, Minister of Health of Ukraine. Um, announced that uh, according to their data uh, 15 million people in Ukraine are affected by anxiety trauma uh, depression or PTSD uh, mm-hmm. due to the war um, so it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's a huge number uh, of people that are affected and um, so for me personally I'm coming from a Jewish family from mm-hmm. Odessa that used to be a Jewish city and I've lived for one year in Israel and I have uh, many friends um, uh, there in Israel and that are already second or third generation after Holocaust, for example. And, and I see how they're still keeping trauma that is passing through generations. Um, and that is, that's what Ukrainian and Ukrainians are going through right now. Um, it's a huge issue to, that needs to be fixed here and now. Otherwise, it can be uh, ongoing for the life term of the people and even be passed, passing further um, to the next generation. So that is like our emotional attachment to the story. And mm-hmm. of course, there is uh, economic impact also for the country. First of all, you cannot recover the country without people. You cannot rebuild the economy without people. Uh, people that are out of uh, social life um, in their anxiety, depression or PTSD, they're out of uh, economical activities. So there are all, all of these parts just threw us uh, to this project. Um, and um, we came up with the idea to um, uh, basically uh, set up um, different pilot projects with uh, in Ukraine with mm-hmm different psychological tools, for example to organize group therapies in the local communities and uh, or uh, to make uh, different online courses to train therapists of uh, for psychological aid or something like that. So we built actually a very strong advisory board with a world-known psychologists like uh, Esther Perel um, and uh, we're doing a project with her right now. And um, uh, her spouse, Jack Saul, uh, is a person who led the therapy after 9-11 in New York City. Uh, he worked uh, in Kosovo during and after war. And um, he worked with uh, veterans uh, after Iraqi and Afghani wars. So he has a scope of experience that can be implemented in Ukraine. But as Julia mentioned before, mm, mental health is something that doesn't exist as an industry, let's say. In it's, a new,
0: it's a new field in a way. It's a new, exactly. It's a new field. It's seen as a luxury sometimes, right? So in certain, uh, maybe the most wealthy countries, uh, maybe it's more, uh, it happens more maybe than in certain other countries.
2: There is also a stigma. Um, our society is quite stigmatized in terms of mental health. Uh, it's not common to even think about mental health. Ah. It's not common to feel that if you have some mental health issues, you need to go to a specialist. So ah. normally, and because of that, people are closing in themselves, uh, isolating themselves, going into trauma, and then this trauma develops into anxiety, depression, and PTSD, and then it can lead to uh, alcoholism, substance abuse, um and that's our the part just because people are not used to open it up to um motivate themselves to um to go to a specialist um so that is something we also uh work in as a part of our project uh as a now let's say pr propaganda or promo no. mental health in general no. uh, together with the uh, workers of the one of the biggest TV channel in Ukraine, uh, one plus one. So we are building different um, promo campaigns and also government, um, Ukrainian government right now led by the first lady of Ukraine, Ms. Zelenska. She's Mm -hmm. one who's uh, leading right now, uh, the mental health project in Ukraine Mm -hmm. together in cooperation with the ministry of health. So that's also their goal to make this um, topic, um, spread uh, yes. into society and to build a structure on the governmental level legislation
0: and, and how can you um i think it's beautiful what you're doing but of course the challenges is is like depression anxiety trauma ptsd uh, ukraine is a big country so where do you start can you give one uh, tangible example of how you approach this like how many do you help how do they apply do they go to therapists like practically speaking how can you tell more uh yeah so i would uh, set an example like an
2: example we can take the group therapy that is uh, an intervention that is uh, highly advised by all of our advisory board as well as ukrainian government and who um that is very important uh, thing to do because it's, first of all, it's also scalable. You have a group up to 20 people that are meeting together once or twice a week. Um, so with the facilitator of the group. So um, the main goal of this group and a uh, main goal of the facilitator, I would say to create um, uh, a warm space, a uh, space of, uh, love of space of support uh, a, a space of a space of family feeling or maybe even tribal feeling where people are uh, who are gathered there in one group they're united maybe with the same trauma let's say uh, uh, people who um, who lost their beloved ones or people or women who were raped or something like that and they so they see that the the trauma that they're keeping, it's not just their own trauma. They, they will meet same people like them having same issues. So this, this kind of environment is already healing and therapeutical because people can open up their pain and can open up their souls to be healed. So on top of that, the facilitator also can see uh, on a kind of weekly basis what's going on with each of the members of the group. Maybe mm-hmm. someone needs uh, more attention and more uh, serious interventions like one to one psychologist interventions meetings and so on and this person facilitator can forward um, um the people for and scan scan their condition and forward if needed to some more um um serious interventions and um, what we want to do right now for example on example of this um um, pilot uh so we picked three different regions in ukraine uh one is um uh, the region that is next to the front line uh current front line in ukraine and that is half um occupied so this is the region that it's a city that's called Zaporizhia. right now they're basically Next to the front line, half of the Zaporizhia oblast, Zaporizhia area is occupied. So they have a lot of people who uh, uh, left from the occupied areas to them. And um,
1: probably you've heard of Mariupol, the city yeah. that was completely destroyed. So basically, everyone who was evacuated from Mariupol, they were arriving in Zaporizhia first. So for you, just to understand what can be going on right now in the city.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I Go ahead, please go ahead.
2: And uh, then another region uh, in the north um, that used to be occupied um, in the beginning of the war, but then the uh, Russian army left and was kicked off by the uh, Ukrainian army, and uh, those areas became deoccupied. occupied uh, Maybe you've heard about these famous cities like uh, Irpin, Gucha, um in the Kiev region with the... Uh, Uh, with the terrible things that happened there, with the massacres and so on. So this is the region that is currently Ukraine, but used to be for a few months occupied uh, fully by Russia. So that is uh, a different type of uh, traumas people can carry there. We would like to do something there. And then a third region, uh, it would be one of the regions in uh, Western Ukraine, uh, where there is no active... um, Mm, now it's very far from the fr- front line there was never uh, invasion of the uh, russian army except of uh, missiles uh, that are mm, that can be all over ukraine right now but uh, it's the regions that uh, most of internally displaced people uh, moved to from the eastern ukraine and south ukraine from the occupied areas so people were living to the most to the safer places yeah. so that is also a different kind of um, mm, traumas issues and so on so we would like to start from three regions like that as um, mm, different according to trauma that people can carry
1: well, I just Just to wrap it up and put a bit of shape. So, so far what we did, we started from first direction is actually bringing awareness about mental health. And here we try to build projects as Vlad gave you an example with Esther Perel to just, you know, promote and give people an idea that mental health is the thing that they need to introduce in their lives. So I would say this is bringing awareness of mental health in the first layer. Second layer is just different kind of group therapies, non-medical interventions, when people can just meet and talk to each other with a facilitator or with therapist that we are trying to bring in different places of Ukraine, physically, offline. But also we have some online initiatives where people can talk to therapists, right, so this is a second layer. We have already started doing this in Zaporizhia that Vlad mentioned in the beginning, and we have plans how to open year centers in the near future. And uh, third layer is just education of more therapists, and we also started off here by creating an online course that educates current therapists and uh, students of uh, you know university how they can. Uh, provide emergency help for kids who are directly affected by war events. Right. So these are like three main streams that we are starting off. But as Vlad mentioned, we want to explore different protocols, different types of interventions. In the meantime, we are doing the assessment of effectiveness together with clinicians and scientists who can basically help us to you know, make sure that our treatment and our approach is evidence-based uh, it will take time because you need you need time. You need at least half a year in order to assess the efficiency of the proposed interventions. Uh, but it's good that we are already on the way.
0: That's beautiful. So you have these three approaches to uh, to improve the mental health in Ukraine. And and currently, are most of your activities uh, offline? So do you gather people offline, or is it mostly online? Given the current situation.
2: Uh so. Um we ha we just started uh, setting up this pilot projects. Um mm-hmm. one of those uh, that Yulia just mentioned, uh, the online course uh for therapists for the uh, for, to certify therapists uh with the first psychological aid for for kids. So that will be an online course that will be released in the end of August. I don't know when the podcast will be released, but I hope by the time it will be
0: we can we can do it soon.
2: Yeah, I hope by the time it will be released we, uh, both of the projects like online course uh, and uh, a project with Esther Perel also will be released Um, so these two, I can say they're online, so with Esther we're doing another podcast um, with uh, um, Ukrainian couples because she's uh, uh, focused on uh, couple couple therapy Um, and um, We, we picked two, uh, couples, uh, one that is, uh, in Ukraine, um, and, uh, going through the complexity, uh, since day one of the war, but being together. And, um, that will be one podcast because many family, the families and couples, they were not separated by the war and, um, uh, and as well as many families, they, they are or they were. So the second couple will be the one that is separated. For example, uh, she is in, somewhere in Europe, a refugee, with or without. And he, um, as a man that is not allowed even to leave Ukraine, uh, up to 60 years old, um, people in Ukraine are not allowed to leave the country. So um, uh, he stayed in Ukraine. And what, they're, what they are going through... Uh, being separated um, forcibly so um, as well especially that we have around uh, 5 million refugees in Ukraine Um, so we will spread it out this experience of those people and uh, we hope that many people can find their questions or answers uh, from that experience with um, Esther And uh, that will be, of course, online as well as the course. All other interventions that we will do, it's offline. uh, And for now, it's uh, Ukraine-based activity. We would love to do something uh, outside of Ukraine, but that is maybe for later stages when we will have enough resources and capacities.
0: That's beautiful. And uh, Esther Perel is a world-renowned therapist but can you share a bit more about who she is for the people that don't know and and exactly what her contribution is to this project
2: um i would say for people that don't know esther perel it, the best thing it's to start to open ted talks and to uh to watch her ted talk it's just 20 minutes uh and it's amazing um and um she as i said she's uh, specialized in a uh, couple therapy family mm-hmm. therapy. Uh, so that's um, the best um, way in case you want to do uh, something um, in terms of the therapy uh, as a couple. Um, there is um, uh, a, her podcast on uh, Spotify that it, that is called Where It Should Begin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really advise that uh, as well as her social media. Uh, she posts uh, quite a lot of things on her Instagram and uh, there are plenty of uh, very, very impactful videos on YouTube. Um, and each time, um, it's amazing to see uh, once we share um, um, our project and uh, our project with this, Esther Perel, it's super cool to see how people are reacting uh, about Esther. It's it's, it's, it's not just a respect. I see, I feel and I see a lot of love. To a stare, mm-hmm. like, oh, you do with this the, the project with Esther. Oh my god, I watched her TED talk. Oh my god, I'm following her podcast, it's so amazing. I love her so much. And that is the reaction that we see all the time uh, when we speak about the project. So I really advise everyone who is listening mm-hmm. to us right now just open the TED talk at least and okay. to watch the 20. That's
0: minutes. my feeling as well because I know her for love and, 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 and relationships um so and and definitely she she brings a a positive image right also to me but can you elaborate like uh because love and 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 couples is 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 not the same as depression anxiety trauma ptsd so so can you elaborate from a content perspective like what she's adding or contributing or, or yeah
2: sure um it will be still uh the um therapy uh therapeutical conversation with those couples Mm -hmm. in her way that she's focused in a couple therapy so it will be same but the the content will be uh it may lead to some war activities or anxiety and depression between in the couple that uh that was that is there due to the war it may not but it will be still same um couple therapy as she is doing normally and focused normally in her life but it will be uh right now um on the fifth months of uh, war with ukrainian couples that um that many many couples and families in Ukraine and outside of Ukraine are going through. So that will we, we hope that they that may help to others and to 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 hear the stories that are very similar to theirs in terms of couple relationship. That is nothing to do with uh, PTSD uh, treatment of specific people. This is just a couple activity.
1: And you know, I, I want to. Uh very quickly to jump in and make a note that when we are talking about mental health, we should not be focused on like treating people who already experience certain mental deviations, like experience trauma, depression, anxiety, or post-traumatic syndrome. We should be talking about measures to prevent development of this uh, of these mental health conditions. So supporting. Uh, healthy relationship in a family, supporting healthy relationship in a couple with your partner and with your kids is one of the basic steps of good mental health condition, right? So we hope that by bringing more awareness, by, by creating these cool projects where people can get knowledge and share their experiences and listen to experience of others, you know, we also contributing to bigger and better status of mental health just giving people tools and ways to explore their own feelings to assess what they feel and understand whenever their intervention and therapeutic uh, response is needed
0: i see so it's also really around creating awareness right that with such a war which is a very emotional impactful experience that that you create awareness that it's perfectly Understandable for people to have mental health challenges, and that they're encouraged to do something about it. Exactly. Exactly. It's an awareness campaign uh, on the exactly. one hand, yeah. and on the other hand, you you try to provide practical tools.
2: Correct. Also, one thing to add about the project that uh, our goal um, of our project is to help and to heal um, two million Ukrainians. So, two million. That is our goal, main goal.
3: And how
0: many are there
2: in total? Um, well, before the war, I would say we, Ukraine was around 40 million people. It's okay. hard to to give you an exact number because uh, by the beginning of this war, uh, Ukraine was already for eight years uh, in the war, the Crimea was occupied, so it's another couple of million people. And then some parts of eastern Ukraine, um, Donetsk and Lugansk uh, region, were occupied. It's another couple of million uh, people. So I would say 40 million uh, people were there um, before the war expanded and started this year.
0: Yeah and um and uh two million that sounds uh, amazing of course but why did you pick two is there a certain thought or or that?
2: so basically um um we uh came up with the idea of um um as we said before to set different pilot projects in ukraine with the check that efficiency check how Mm -hmm. each of the interventions will be working uh here and now in Ukraine, in terms of um, um, a war that is still happening, in terms of Ukrainian mentality, in terms of uh, stigma that is there in Ukrainian mentality. So the most efficient methods, protocols or tools, um, we want to scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, we want to scale by um, training therapists uh, by those protocols. Or uh, creating new therapists, or both retrain existing therapists that are there in Ukraine of these new protocols. And uh, we want to build this, let's say, spider web network um, and training um, by creating the tool, IT tool, that where uh, therapists can find uh, some protocols that are the most recent and uh, the most efficient, and they can go and train themselves and be, become certified specialists in a specific field. And also where people uh, might find support and help from a specific uh, therapist of certain protocol. Um, and we aim to reach this uh, numbers in a few upcoming years, like July, August of 2024.
0: Oh, that's, uh, that's beautiful. That's a very ambitious, uh an ambitious target and uh, to heal two million people how many therapists uh, uh, do you need to to achieve that
1: you know that's a good question and unfortunately we don't have an answer right now we are still in a process of assessment but you know i would like to uh, to make to twist your question and bring your attention to a fact not not how many therapists are needed but what therapists are needed mm-hmm. uh, it is an interesting fact that most of the therapists in Ukraine are female and what we have to think about is not only about educating new therapists mm-hmm. but making sure that the ratio between female and male therapists becomes more equal mm-hmm. just as an example you know, military veterans who will definitely need a lot of intensive care to shape their mental health to a condition it was before the war. They will be more amenable to talk to a male therapist than female. So it is quite important not only to educate new therapists, but also make sure that you um, follow the ratio of male and female therapists.
0: I see. So more, more men are needed, actually yeah as usually (laughs) but also
2: it depends uh certainly back to your question it depends also which interventions in the end will show the results so for example if we're speaking again about group therapy that is something very scalable where where you have let's say one specialist that can cover up to let's say 60 people if one facilitator can handle three groups um of twenty people, let's say, uh, with uh, weekly meetings, so one person uh, can take care and help um, sixty people. But if we're talking about uh, some interventions that are one to one, that is a different picture we have there, and different amount of therapists will need there. So it will it will be mm, seen in 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 the end of our stage one, where right now. Uh, with the setting up all of the pilot projects uh, and not just us we're working together closely with the uh, government and uh, with other governmental and non-governmental organizations we're part of this working group that is created uh, by WHO Ukrainian branch um, where we all share our experiences and gathering data together sharing it all because it's uh, it's it's just the industry let's say is being created right now on this on a big scale nationwide scale
0: i can uh, i can see yeah uh, and um imagine you're listening someone is listening uh, uh, to this conversation so what are the um how can people contribute uh, to your projects
1: uh yeah so basically right now since we're in the very early stages uh we are looking for we are looking for funding. We are looking for partnerships, and we are also looking for people who want to join us. Uh, we we don't hire at this moment, but you know, apart from. The employees in the fund. We also have ambassadors and volunteers. Oh. Some people who just, you know, share our ideas and values and want to contribute uh, to the fund, or you know, want to contribute to one of the streams that we are running. They are just reaching out and joining us and helping with what they can with their expertise. So, if they're experts in marketing, they can just join us and help, you know, to promote the project from marketing perspective. Someone can bring valuable partnerships in. We have a chain of ambassadors who are not working for us full time, but, you know, we make these weekly things and just see what we can do together. Uh, So people can reach out to us. They uh, They can find a form on our website where they can apply as ambassador or they can just shoot us an email. Um, and in terms of partnership and funding, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite clear. We have a, we have a huge project and it will take us a long, a lot of time to implement it. So basically in, we need all kinds of support being more particular about the partnerships. Um, I can give you an example. We are currently talking to several hospitals in Spain, in Luxembourg, um, about potential cooperation where we um, agonize educational, educational programs for Ukrainian therapists, where they come to the hospital and hospital workers and experts share their experience. They, they develop specific programs that can be beneficial for Ukraine at this time. And, you know, they, they are covering all the associated costs, so it basically comes free of charge, but for sure it's their own investment of time and money. Um, we are also very open to partnerships with, you know, uh, coaches and uh, therapists who would like to do some media activity. As an example, this project that we had with ex- we, we are working on with Esther Perel, right? Okay. Uh, we want to continue. We want to continue doing this. We want to continue bringing the awareness about mental health. So we we are looking for partnerships here with uh, media celebrities, so to say, if you want yeah who who would like to do some cool things to to bring awareness to bring attention of Ukrainian people to mental health, maybe show that it's not scary, show that mental health is cool um, and uh, yeah, on a funding part, uh, I think that Vlad can take over
2: I would just add that um, the the need is changing constantly yeah because the the project uh, has its uh, own um, uh, life cycle, and right now we have these needs, but for example. Whoever is listening to us, maybe in a month or two or three uh, from uh, today, uh, the needs uh, might be absolutely different once we complete the fundraise campaign and we're going full into operations of the stage one of setting up all the pilots. And then or we're already coming to the stage two when we're fundraising for the scaling um, stage and that is absolutely different scope of of cooperation and work that might be needed uh, by that time so yeah i would say the best way um on top of what we have just shared is to communicate directly with us if someone is interested just to write me an email for example which is vlad at OneUkraine.com, V-L-A-D uh-huh. at OneUkraine.com. And uh, we're updating our website also um, constantly. So you might see the um, some information about uh, this specific work stream as well as others, other initiatives that we're taking care of.
0: And with the funding, uh, what's the minimum amount? Because can uh, normal citizens also give you two euros? Or does it need to be like institutional funding that is a, big more, a bit more significant, so to say?
2: We uh, we are working in two directions right now. Um, okay. One of the directions is institutional, uh, which uh, we will uh, be going to apply to uh, uh, different European Commission grants and some other mental health grants that are there um, in the US and Europe. Um, but that is a long-term process and um, uh, with the specific timelines so most probably that will be applicable for our stage two for the scaling part of the project and um, right now we're basically fine fundraising from individuals and uh, private uh, uh, entrepreneurs and business uh, so we started our fundraise campaign here in Europe at the moment and we're going to um, to make another fundraise campaign in the United States, uh, where we're going uh, next month, um, and uh, we don't have um, a minimum um, um, minimum um, uh, donation uh, set. Um, it can be whatever people can contribute. Um, but we're talking right now for this stage that we need, uh, 1.2 million euro, uh, mm-hmm. to complete stage one, um, and, uh, to be able to, um, execute all of the plans that we have built all of the pilots, um, keeping in mind that three out of 10 are already in ongoing and process. Uh, funded by uh, us and uh, our own resources and uh, in order to execute the whole package yeah we're seeking for this money right now
0: I can uh, I can see and uh, what do people get in return because first of all uh, it might be meaningful for people to contribute Yeah, right I can I can assume that but is there some other benefit because um, yeah, even in the NGO world there's competition right so why would Yeah, can
1: you share a bit about that? Yeah, so first of all, um, as I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, that you know, the way we see this project is that this project brings more impact than the money we spend to develop it. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is that the way we try to build the project is to invest and spend money in a smart way. Uh, that's the first reason. That's how it is different from, like, you know, traditional charity, where you just, where you actually get less value for the money that you are donating. I mean, if we are talking about big institutional NGOs, they have to spend so much on supporting the bureaucracy and huge staff and all the procedures. So basically, only thirty percent of the donated money goes directly to their aid beneficiaries. Uh, while we try to set up a system in which basically by scaling these pilots, we will bring more value to the people that we spend money. That's a, that's the first point. And second point that is, you know, overall, um, we envisage this project as a long-term one and applicable not only to Ukraine, because if we look at Lots of other countries in the world, they don't have mental health services developed in a proper way, so to say. So, you know, there is so much demand for mental health services. There are so many countries affected by war, affected by crisis. And Ukraine can be a great use case because you basically take a country that has this stigma and... Um, that has underdeveloped mental health services that lacks legislation that lacks uh, the market lacks the shape and players, and basically right now we have all the chances to create a model that can be later on applied to any other country in the world, right? So that's that's our idea. We want that's that's why I wanted to bring your attention to the fact that we want to have evidence based uh, evidence based approach. And that's why we're involving clinicians, that's why we're involving scientists to actually prove that the methodology that we will develop throughout the course of our operations, it can be valuable to our society. I mean, our worldwide society, it can be taken and implemented on national level in any other country. But I mean, of course, it's very ambitious. Of course, it sounds big. And of course, it will take us time to discover if we can do that. But that's how we see it
0: that's beautiful so it can be replicated to to other countries so so it might be meaningful for people to contribute and they they can contribute to huge um, huge impact i think that's uh, that's brilliant so the funding is clear maybe the partnerships and the ambassadors like um, uh, the, and the volunteers it can be people that spread your message but partnerships maybe can you give a few tangible examples of partnerships that you will be looking for
2: uh, yeah, as Julia uh, already shared a little bit about uh, our project with, um, uh, let's say, uh, as an example, a clinic from Luxembourg. Um, so that is something that institution cannot um, donate us with the funds to, uh, in order for us to execute our plans and pilots in Ukraine. But for example, they offered us um, a project to. Mm, train therapists uh, on the uh, base of their clinic uh, by their own costs. So we went to the government of Ukraine and said, okay, we have these opportunities. What kind of trainings would you um, offer uh, to them to implement for our therapists? So they offered um, four or five different um, uh, trainings, which is uh, highly needed right now in Ukraine. And, uh, for example, uh, if Luxembourg Clinic will confirm that they, they are doing that, that will be a perfect example of partnership where uh, we can do something on the cost of the partners like this uh, clinic. And we will bring a groups of uh, Ukrainian therapists uh, to Luxembourg or some other location for, uh, to, for them to conduct the training. And uh, that is a great example of the possible partnership. And um, one more thing circling back to the uh, last question, I would say what also differs us in terms of um, NGO that we, uh, for all of us, uh, both the founders and operational team, uh, we are all coming from the business background, Mm -hmm. um, mainly from IT background, but from different business backgrounds. And um, um, it's a new experience for all of us, but uh, we're doing it in the way we all know how to do things, which is a kind of business model. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: but here it's nonprofit business for us. So we're just taking the issue, uh, seeing how to solve it, seeing how to scale things, seeing how to optimize, seeing how to structure and implementing it. And, for example, you can see the results that we have made so far on in other work streams that we're running since yes. since the beginning.
0: It's beautiful that you you have a business background and and uh, use this business approach to um, a humanitarian challenge. And it's brilliant that you have ten co-founders because in a typical company you only have two or three because you, people don't want to give away all their shares. <laughs> but, oh, there's no shares, right? So you can have ten co-founders. Yes, it's a yeah. responsibility. I wanted a, I wanted a project, um, uh, it was called Thank You Healthcare Workers. Yeah, when <laughs> COVID came and we created a digital landing page where, where Dutch citizens could say thank you. And then the thank yous were live streamed in the hospital. So the healthcare workers were, were seeing the thank you messages. Nice. Oh, wow, so amazing. And we did it with eight co-founders. So that's why we could could scale up fast. And there was no money involved so we got a lot of free support um but it was kind of like this this example when everyone wants to contribute um but anyway that's a bit of a side note um then um what else so i think we discussed a lot of um a lot of elements um so is there anything else, um, I, I also have uh, a question about the, the two of you personal, but is there anything else that you want to share about the project?
1: Uh, I think that we, we've we covered pretty much everything.
0: Yeah, I think so too, we, we covered the, the most important things, yeah. Okay, so um, thank you very much for sharing, I'm really excited to to share this with, with people and you never know where it lands, right? and maybe someone listens and wants to contribute. Um, the Soul Kitchen, it's also about personal growth. Uh, so I always want that people learn something from from you. Um, so you are running this NGO. And uh, maybe some other people also have a dream of, of uh, setting up an NGO because they want to contribute to society. So what are kind of your key learnings uh, for people that also want to set up an NGO based on your experience that you can share with people?
1: Well, that's not an easy thing. I would say that we only in the beginning of our journey and we're only discovering how to do things in the right way.
3: Mm-hmm. But as
1: Vlad mentioned, I think that it's uh, quite valuable that we have this business experience before because we honestly approach everything in a way that you would approach normally in business. I have, I have um, experience um, working as operations manager in a Big uh, IT company, so you know I I know how to build processes. I know how to how to hold people accountable. I know <laughs> I know how to do things efficiently, and I think that I'm trying to bring this this approach in a way we want things in Angior. Mm-hmm. And um, I would I would probably focus um, on several points. The first one is try to make sure that all your decisions are baked by data. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy to find the relevant data, especially when you're dealing with um, crisis, with emergency response, because situation changes every day. But it's it's very important to, um, whenever you talk to people and whenever you seek partnerships, funding, or, you know, just trying to build something that will help, you need to make sure that, you know, your logic and the data that you provide behind uh, your request is solid, it is grounded, and it is relevant. Uh, second thing, I would say that whenever you try to do something in NGO world, you need to explore partnership as much as possible because, uh, you know, some, sometimes you can do lots of things without investing your own money and your own resources. You just need to find right people. You just need to find motivated people. And the... Honestly, all the people are so great. You can't even imagine how many volunteers, how many ambassadors, how many companies have just reached us out and proposed their help. So, do not underestimate um, <laughs> pro bono services, so to say. <laughs> 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 and probably the third one I, uh, is uh, it's more operational. Uh, but whenever you're building your own NGO. Do not overhire because when you are just in the beginning, you see that you can change the world and you know how to change the world and you want to change the world. Mm -hmm. The only thing that you lack is to have all these people who will help you to change the world. And Mm -hmm. then You you want to have a marketing manager, you want to have a PR manager, you want to have a person for everything, but then you realize that your resources are very limited and, again, you want to make sure that donations that you get most part of these donations are used to contribution of final beneficiary of the aid, so to say, right? You don't want to use your budget for paying salaries. You don't want to use your budget for social media marketing. You want to make your focus on helping people. So that's that's the reason why you really need to look into team composition and make sure that you have the minimum people that are needed to close the current tasks of your organizations. You can always hire more, but it's really harder to let people go.
0: So three things. So back your decisions by data, establish partnerships and make use of pro bono services and don't overhire. Uh, so be be lean mean in the beginning. Uh, my take on it. Excuse me. And then and then Flood, what are your key learnings so far? I would
2: just share maybe some insights that I've got so far uh, mm-hmm. by doing that. First of all, I'm not using the word job anymore. And then ah. I, and I switched it to the word mission. Ah, I feel it like that. I'm on a mission, um, especially that, um, the, the whole of my, um, career life. Um, I was in a lack of, uh, uh, meaning in my okay. job, um, and, uh, some great meaning and I've got it right now. That's why it's also maybe switched to the word mission. And, um, I'm maybe, uh, of course, NGO career, it's not about uh, money at all. It's not about making money. It's not like business, but it's driven when you are driven with this idea of helping people, society, whatever NGO um, is doing in a particular way. So for us, it's uh, Ukraine and helping people there uh, and our own home, home land uh we still have families there and friends there even though we don't live there for for many years but we're very connected so we're i'm driven by help uh of people and uh that gives um uh in return a lot that gives uh even though the work is not just uh, full time for now, it's just double full time instead of eight working hours a day. It's, uh, 10, 12, 15 sometimes.
3: Mm-hmm. But,
2: and it's, it can be very exhausting physically and mentally, but in return, you're, you're getting this fulfillment, um, of knowing that the help that you wanted to deliver is delivered. And, um, it gives you a lot of uh, excitement strength power energy um yeah and um that's how we feed our ego maybe a little bit also <laughs> <laughs> So
0: from, from a job it turns into a mission um but yeah still the ego likes that of course but that, yeah we're only you <laughs> um, and um, um I, I work a lot with social entrepreneurs i don't know are you aware of the impact hub um impact help what what's that exactly impact hub it's an ex- acceleration uh-huh. program for impact entrepreneurs and, mm-hmm. and some, some social entrepreneurs burn out because it's indeed such a mission and then mm-hmm. it, it over your your life but but that's a good insight so that's one do you have some other key learnings from your NGO experience
2: yes uh, another one it's uh, as Julia also mentioned uh, in her points that i was uh, extremely um, amazed uh, by uh, again by coming from the business background that there is actually no competition here mm-hmm. uh, there is one if we're talking speaking about money and fundraising of course uh, NGOs are competing for for the funds in a in a way that is the only competition that i see so far but a part of that it's it's uh, it's this absolute absence of competition and everyone are willing to help everyone Mm -hmm. and um, uh, so many different NGOs um, uh, we collaborated with and private initiatives and smaller and bigger I was amazed how everyone are in the same boat um, and just go in same direction and we're there to help each other with the vessels. Yeah. Um, so that's another thing that I was amazed. And if we speak about Ukraine, uh, particularly, I was amazed also by our government, uh, how, uh, we could see how the borders, um, the, those invisible borders that we all always have between the society and the government, uh, were absolutely broken um many different ministries de- deputy ministries members of parliament and so on people that you would not uh, easily reach uh, in normal life um, uh, they were there for all of us uh, being just the volunteers uh, we were able to reach them to cooperate with them to collaborate in different ways so kind of this Hierarchy between the and different and the the distance between the society and the government in Ukrainian uh, example kind of vanished. So I was also amazed of that.
0: That's beautiful. So you turned your job into a mission. You you see that there's a lot of collaborative power into ter- in times of crisis and the uh, the the hierarchy between the government and the citizens uh, reduces. I think that's really. Um, really insightful let me see if i have another uh question with the soul kitchen i'm always quite open so maybe while we're still on it we can d- briefly discuss the next steps right so i will share the, the the episode with you and then we can try to share on uh, on, on social media i'll share it on linkedin and you can share it and i'll include it in my newsletter and then maybe uh, yeah people want to uh, contribute right you never know um, how it goes um i think that's um that's uh, most uh, most of it um, um is there anything else that people outside the ukraine need to know about this this project or the or the situation
1: no i think that we are already exhausted and tired
0: <laughs> I think that's it. okay that's great well thank you very much for your for your time Thank and you, thank you, know, thank for, thank you for so much. Us. It
1: was such a great experience. I really enjoyed. It. it was a bit tough for me because you know you need to deliver right now and right here. Now, cool. Uh, thank you so much for inviting us. It was a pleasure to meet you. And if you're in Berlin, we'll be happy to meet in person.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm I'm traveling around, so you never know. So <laughs> I might see you in um, in Berlin. Let me. Uh, stop the recording. uh, Let me see where that is. Ah, quick.